Shalom. This is Rebitza Nava of Nava in the house of Sarah. It has been a while, quite a while. We have been doing quite a bit around here on the farm, about ready to get into our planting and um, lots and lots of projects going on here in Goshen Farms. So, um, on our online and our um, local Havura, House of Sarah, we began on a topic of grief. And um, last week in our local Havura, I began speaking on um, from Mara to Elim, which is found in Exodus 15:23. This week and next week, I'll also be doing a, a podcast um, along the same lines. But these one, this one is going to be called Learning and Growing Through Our Maras. It's a study of Leah and Ruth. Um, as I said last week, we introduced the Midrash. And so I apologize for that. I had a little interruption there. Um, last week, we introduced the Midrash on Mara from Exodus 15.23. And we learned that Mara was a place of well, of a well of bitter water, of bitterness and murmuring. Now the term for bitter refers to intensity of suffering of mind and body, something that is difficult to bear, something that causes animosity and reaction, something that is brought about by hatred or antagonism. It is also defined by Bible study tools as bitter gall, extreme wickedness, a bitter root, and so producing a bitter fruit. Through these definitions, you can see that our concept of bitterness and the biblical definitions are a little bit different, yet the destructive nature nature is definitely the same. So in the Torah seedbed of, of truth, which is the book of Genesis, it says that Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah and the name of the younger one was Rachel, and we find that in Genesis 29:16. The Torah tells us that both Leah and Rachel wept profusely in their lives. Genesis 29:17 relates that Leah's eyes were tender. The prophet Jeremiah writes, a voice is heard on high, the sound of lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. And the story of Leah has rich meaning and deep insight within the biblical narrative. Leah is introduced in Torah as the older daughter of Laban or Levan um, in Genesis 29:16, Leah's name in Hebrew literally means female cow. I know, sounds funny uh, in, our, in our Western ears, but in the ancient world, cows were actually a sign of fertility and material substance. In the animal kingdom, cows are extremely fertile. To a cattle herder, cows indicated the potential for great wealth and material blessings. In describing Leah's appearance, the Torah says that she has weak eyes. Rashi teaches that continuous weeping was the cause of Leah's weak eyes. Why does the Torah choose to describe one of its great female figures as a woman with tender eyes? And why does the text bring out something seemingly negative when Leah has so many attributes? The Torah at times criticizes character flaws, sins, and, and the like, which are the result of free will, but in Leah's case, 
Her tender eyes are a part of her, her physique, which is God-given and beyond her control as an individual. And why then would the Torah focus on something she has no power to change? What is the deeper meaning behind Leah's tender eyes? And we're going to find out. Seeing that Esau was her uncle, her uncle's oldest son, she reasoned that she being the oldest daughter would have to marry him. And this is according to the sages. This is what they, they have come up with. While her younger sister Rachel would marry the younger brother Jacob. Esau, according to Torah, was a hunter, a man of war, an outgoing manly man who even sought to kill his own brother. Leah's eyes were weak from weeping. Yet, given that Leah had the option to accept or reject the match with Esau, why did she choose to cry over it rather than simply refuse to marry him? The answer lies in the fact that Leah was a prophetess. She knew that in reality, people's mundane talk about her marriage to Esau reflected Hashem's will for her. She saw prophetically that the two couples, Jacob and Rachel with Esau and herself, were to establish the Jewish nation by spawning six tribes each. Leah was fully committed to this mission, while Esau was clearly not interested. Leah's grief reflected her fear that because Esau was not up to the task, she might not have a share in building the Jewish people. Unlike Rachel, she didn't live in the moment, but rather in the future. She was projective. Leah had great spiritual capacity and could have turned Esau around, but she didn't want him. He could give her nothing that she desired, and she therefore wept for the fate that awaited her. Leah's Mida, her, her character trait, was Bina, or insight. Yaakov needed action, not insight, and therefore Levan gave him Leah so that he would fail in his mission. For Yaakov, it seemed like a disaster. For Leah, however, it was the fulfillment of her deepest prayers. Now, Leah must have been a righteous woman if the very idea of marrying a man without morals brought tears to her eyes frequently. Leah desires more from life and wept bitterly for what she thought was her irreversible destiny. But Hashem hears the prayers of the righteous. And by divine providence, Leah becomes the wife of Jacob. Jacob, however, loved Rachel. And when Hashem sees that Leah is unloved, he opens her womb and she conceived and has Jacob's first child. The bitter tree thus becomes a fruitful vine. The love that Leah looked for from her husband became evident in her children. She gives birth shortly again to Simeon and says, For Adonai has heard, Shema, that I was hated, Genesis 29, 33. We learn from this verse that Leah definitely prayed and poured out her heart to Hashem because of the pain she felt from not being loved by her husband. For she exclaimed that he heard that she was hated. This is also a testimony of her righteousness. For the Torah says that Hashem hears the prayers of the righteous. This teaches us that righteousness is the gate of holiness. If you allow life's bitter realities to compromise your righteousness, 
you will stunt the growth of the fruitful vine of holiness. As defeated as life can sometimes make us feel, we still cannot give up by forsaking our sense of morality. In life there will be several tests, each different from the next. Yet we have the ability to use these tests as spiritual stepping stones, give us an audible voice with, with Hashem and man where we are heard in heaven above and earth below. She births a third son and says, This time my husband will be joined to me, for I have borne him three sons. And he named him Levi. Genesis 29:34. Something very different happens with the birth of this son. In reference to her two prior births, Torah says that she, she named him. The third son, Levi, however, Torah says he named him, alluding to the fact this child was named by Hashem. With the first son, she prayed that her husband would love her. After her second son's birth, she simp simply exclaimed that Hashem heard that she was hated. The third birth, however, she does some something different. She prays that her husband be joined or attached to her. Genuine love comes from spiritual attachment. Leah's spirit is growing with each child. She is time. This teaches us that adversity, grief, bitterness is key to spiritual growth. We cannot become elevated until we experience what it feels like to be humbled. When Leah reached a level of spirituality where she realized that in order to achieve and experience love, spiritual attachment must be sought. It was immediately then that Hashem intervenes and names this child Levi, who would go on to be the head of the priesthood, the highest office in Jewish culture. Just as Leah reached a great height in understanding that love is a bond which must be forged by spiritual infusion, the Creator elevates her and her child, securing the eternal priesthood to the Levites. It is very important to note that Leah went through great adversity before reaching this spiritual plateau. She had to overcome one of the greatest trials in marriage, feeling unloved. Leah's story is a testimony of the power of not giving up on love. Love by definition is unconditional giving. It comes from the Hebrew Ahava, rooted in Hava, meaning to give. Affixing the Aleph makes it the first person future, thus transforming Hava into Ahava, which literally means, I will continually give or unconditional giving. Leah championed her desire to unconditionally give of herself to her husband, thus transforming her, her spirituality as she became the vessel of the royal priesthood of Torah. Her fourth son, she ascends her spiritual ladder and seeks a more personal love with the Creator. This is one of the most quintessential lessons we as women can learn from life. Love takes much practice. Love is transformative. Love by nature is transformative. Love will not allow you to be the same person you once were. For love inherently is the divine alchemy of the soul.
Like alchemy, love brings you from one form or state to a completely different spiritual composition. We learn to love by example from parents, family, loved ones, friends. Once we perfect our love towards our fellow man, our love for Hashem is brought to a much higher estate. What was once viewed as a bitter vine became an extremely fruitful tree. Leah began her marriage feeling unloved, yet her spiritual composition was so strong that she simply would not give in, thereby becoming self-defeated. Leah would go on to have a total of six sons, yet the two which stood out are those children who were born during a time when her spirit became more aligned with truth and Hashem's will. Thus, she was rewarded for her spiritual consistency by becoming the matriarch of the priesthood, which is Levi, and the kingship, Judah. Wow, what an honor. What an honor. We all desire to be loved, yet the wisdom gained in this story teaches us that in order to be loved, one must first show love. One must give of herself to the point of nullification where our very core essence is, is embedded in what we give to the world. And there's another lesson in this story of Leah. Take charge of your life. Take charge of your life. Embrace your role as women of the covenant despite the situations that you were birthed in or where you currently find yourself. We as women are told to be the builders of the house of Israel. The DNA, or as I call it, the God mark or the Yah mark of, of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Rachel, Leah, Ruth and Esther is embedded within each woman, within each of you. Whether you are one of the natural olive branches or have been engrafted. That life-giving sap of the message of Israel's Torah runs through your veins and that inherent doctrine that is speaking to you every moment of every day to be holy women of Zion, known personally as your Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, the living Torah, desires and has already given you the power of alignment of bridehood. You have been given the ability to attach to cling, to cleave yourself, to his position yourself under the power of his talit, his complete will concerning you as women of Israel and in order to undergo the power of change so that you can elevate to perform his will on the earth, which is tikkun olam or, or recreating your portion of the world by building families of Israel, by bringing the truth of Torah to the nations in ways that only a woman can and has by her very nature been created and released by the merit of Mashiach. And by your works, you are being built by performing the work of transformation and sanctification. And as, as it is said, Rabbitsons and rabbis say it all the time, it's not the situation. What we go through doesn't matter. It's all in how you handle it. And I want to encourage you 
as we as women do, as, as, as women have the um, ability to listen to Shema, we listen and we understand um, when we're, we're listening to our children, we listen with a, with a mother's, mother's heart, and that in and of itself is a great power. It's a, very, it's a great resource, a great tool to really Shema, to hear between the lines, to hear the heartbeat, to hear the pain. And this is, this is a gift that we as women have been given to the house of Israel. And this is what Hashem wants us to do. He wants us to, to extend our, our ability to listen to those brothers and sisters and to hear their pain, the brothers and sisters within our communities, just as we would want Hashem to listen to ours. So just hear hear, just listen and hear what others are saying. And just as Imenu Leah, our mother Leah, in spite of her demise state, cried out to Hashem, she continued in her work of building the house of Israel by the seed she bore for Jacob, who became Israel. We are her offspring. So I encourage you today, sisters, to work, to work through, to grow through, to press through, to trust through, to believe through, cry through, go through your Mara, your wilderness, and you too will be a fruitful vine.